This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Iowa right, caucus now just four days away. You know, Trump finally intimated, he more than intimated, he said last night on his Fox Town Hall meeting with Bear and McCallum, as DeSantis and Haley for some reason were yelling at each other on CNN, nobody cares. I mean, nobody. Trump was on Fox News, and he said he has made up his mind who his running mate is going to be. A lot of folks think it's going to be Elise Stefanik. Some still even mentioned for some crazy reason Nikki Haley, but the person that has garnered the most rumors the last couple of days is a man who's going to come on now and not say one word about it, not one word, but I'm going to say it, is Lee Zeldin. Zeldin should have been the governor, but he just couldn't be. The, the numbers were against him. He ran a great, great campaign. He was better than, than Hochul in, in every step of the way. But the rumors are. He may be Trump's choice. So here to tell us, I'm not talking about that, is my friend Lee Zeldin. Good morning, Z. Lee, I should say. I, I was coming on to talk uh, Wemby, Tony Parker, <laughs> the OG on Anobi trade. I, 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 I like that. Hey, by the way, talking about the OB uh, trade, because I did see you and your beautiful wife and your two lovely daughters at a Nick game not that long ago. I believe they're the only undefeated team in 2024, and 5-0 and since that trade. How about our Knicks, Lee Zeldin? You know, I, I love it. Uh, you know, you, RJ and Quickly are doing great in Toronto. Uh, a couple of tough losses on the, the West Coast there, back-to-back in uh, L.A. Uh, last couple nights. But uh, for our Knicks, man, 5-0. and since the trade, uh, Randall and Brunson are thriving. I don't think they're done before the tread deadline. It doesn't mean that they're you know, definitely going to act desperate, but uh, I, you know, they seem to be in the market. If they had one more superstar, yep. if they could figure out how, how to pull it off, uh, man, this is, a, this is a team sky's the limit. Sixers are uh, starting to tank, so yeah. that third seed is uh, only a couple games away. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith was talking about it yesterday. The Knicks are definitely a four seed, like you said, maybe a three. They did beat Milwaukee easily at the Garden Christmas. Nobody thinks the way the team is constructed now they can beat Boston. So he was saying, yeah, they need that one guy, you know, and uh, even though Murray's name keeps coming up, the name that comes up the most, like you with Trump, is uh, Donovan Mitchell. And he believes that Mitchell as the one, Brunson as the two, and Randall as the three, they can win an NBA championship. But then the question becomes, what pieces do you have left after trading away RJ and quickly to get a guy like Mitchell? Now they have a lot of draft choices, too, but that's uh, Stephen's belief as of yesterday. The Knicks can get Donovan Mitchell they can be a legitimate contender for the championship and not just a top-four seed. Well, you know, Cleveland's also not, you know, uh, way out of the playoffs here. They they feel like they're in the middle of it. They're battling for a fourth seed themselves. So they're not just looking to, you know, just reboot the entire team for next year and beyond. Uh, so the, the Knicks would probably have to give up too much that might sacrifice their talent for this year because I think Cleveland's still trying to compete. Uh, uh, the other thing that obviously factors in with sports when you get into the playoffs is, is injury. And, you know, you, you don't wish that upon Boston, but 
Uh, I mean, that's just the way I, I operate. I'm not sitting around rooting for uh, you know the other teams that are better than us to just fall apart on injury. But I mean, that's a possibility when you get that deep into a season. You know, Mitchell Robinson gets injured a month ago, and now they talk about having him back possibly before the end of the year. But some of the injuries to your stars, sometimes they happen at the end of the season or even the playoffs, and it's just it's too late. So, I mean, Boston's one of those teams that are at a different class and level yeah. right now than the Knicks. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're not at full strength from the playoffs. Maybe that's our best shot. We'll Back see. here on uh, WFAN, you're listening to the uh, new afternoon show. Uh, Zeldin and Rosenberg replacing uh, Tiki and Evan Roberts. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now, you know your stuff, man. Uh, you are we allowed to bring Aaron Rodgers on, or what's the rule on that? ESPN setting out some uh, some new code of conduct on, uh, yeah. on whether or not Aaron's allowed to be on. Well, you, you know, talk about that. Pat McAfee was so disingenuous yesterday. He's like, I'm glad the segment is over. I've had enough of Rodgers. And I hate to tell you that other than the ESPN crowd, it's a big crowd. McAfee makes $10 million a year, so he's got his audience. Other than those people... No, nobody would have any idea who Pat McAfee was without Aaron Rodgers coming on weekly. So when McAfee said yesterday, I'm glad it's over, I'm glad it's over, I found that to be uh, pretty disingenuous. What about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, he would he would still have uh, Aaron on, and the, the, the whole thing with, with the scandal with Jimmy Kimmel and, and Epstein, whatever, it, you know, ESPN was just, Looking for an excuse, Aaron Rodgers had a target on his back for a long time. It goes back to, you know, controversial statements he made during COVID, talking about the vaccine. You know, he, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, he moves to his own beat, and it's certainly not in line with ESPN's politics. Uh, so, I mean, they're just they're just looking for an excuse, yep. and you know, because Jimmy Kimmel is right. of course. Right, of course. You know, he's just a, of he's a prophet. You, that that's, <laughs> that's going way too far. And there's a lot that Aaron Rodgers could get away with, but not being critical of uh, Jimmy Kimmel. You're right. He is Mr. ABC, Mr. Disney, Jimmy Kimmel. So uh, the the job that you almost had, and again, I commend you on one of the best. I mean this, one of the best campaigns I've ever seen when you ran for governor. But uh, she she uh, she held on to it. This uh, Hochul, and a couple of days ago, she does the state of the state. And there's a lot of issues in New York, plenty of time to do hours on that. But I think everybody would agree that right now the migrant crisis, if it's not the biggest issue, it's certainly top two or three. Can you explain to me, Lee Zeldin, how Kathy Hochul can do a state of the state in New York and not mention the crisis? Uh, you can't defend it. There's no excuse for it. Uh, she just wants to wish it away. Uh, she doesn't want to have to accept any responsibility for it in the state of the state. And she also doesn't want to be putting the blame on the President Biden and the administration to actually fix it. Uh, so they just think that, you know, maybe their best option is option D and let's just click our heels together and, and hope that Sid and everyone else doesn't even realize that she doesn't even mention it. And now what's interesting about it is you, you said it's the top issue or maybe it's one of the top issues uh, for, for voters out there. And this is the same thing that happened in the 2022 race. Uh, that created openings for us to be able to gain support, not just from Republicans, but independents and Democrats, is that she just ignores what voters, what residents are telling her are most important to them. 
So even if Kathy Ho- in Kathy Hochul's mind, the migrant crisis is the seventh most important topic or the 30th most important topic, there are people out there who say it is their number one topic. And on top of that, with, the, with moving all these migrants from Floyd Bennett Field into a school and forcing all those kids into remote learning and, and then claiming the Department of Education says that they're going to avoid any disruption. It, it's impossible to avoid disruption when you just close down a school and move kids into remote learning. How with a straight face do you say, we'll do this without any disruption? Her the, the, and the way she did it on crime, the way she did it on economy during the 2022 race ended up creating an opening for us. And here she's trying to do it again, where if you ask Kathy Hochul, what is your most important issue? What's your top three? What's your top five? She's doing it based off of what is most important to her and what she wants to talk about, not based off right. of what New Yorkers are saying are most right. important to them. It's about right. her. It's not about us. Well, if she was completely honest, her most important issue is one o'clock Sunday, when her bills host the Steelers. That's all she cares about, I'm being honest. Her and how much money her husband can make. Uh, I want to talk to you about Mozzie Pillip. She was on with me yesterday. I like her a lot. Very impressive lady. And uh, IDF, you know, uh, Jewish background. And uh, she's running on the Republican ticket to replace George Santos, even though she's still registered as a Democrat. And a lot of my listeners, and a lot of her constituents, by the way, have contacted me in anger and said, I like her, I wouldn't vote for Swazi, but I cannot vote for somebody who is still registered as a Democrat. And when I told that to Peter King and others, they were like, well, screw them. They, they should know she votes as a Republican. I go, no, but you can't say screw them, because whether she votes Republican or not, if there is some type of a perception that she's not a full Republican because she's registered as a Democrat, that's going to hurt us. What are your thoughts on all this? Oh, man, I, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts. First, first off, the, the House right now is a very slim majority. The idea that we are just one step closer to making Hakeem Jeffries the speaker oh. by, by not focusing on the special election, to make Maxine Waters a chair again and put Jerry Nadler back in charge of the Judiciary Committee or Adam Schiff back in charge of the Intelligence Committee, like th- this stuff – Big picture, if you care about our country, you have to keep that in mind when assessing this special election. Another thing is you have the likes of Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and there really is no counterweight to them. There's no one uh, who is standing up to them at a different level that Amazi Pillip can. Interesting story, Ethiopian refugee. She goes to Israel 15 years there. As you mentioned, IDF, she was a paratrooper. She comes here. She's been serving in the county legislature. She's built strong bridges, relationships amongst Republicans, Democrats, independents. I would love to see Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib in just a few weeks if the residents of the 3rd Congressional District vote the right way, meeting their counterweight for the first time in the years that they have been there. Uh, so I, I want to be able to see that as well. As far as, uh, as, far as Mozzie goes, uh, you know, I've, I've interacted with her. I've been impressed with her. Uh, I see how she interacts with her, her constituents, the voters, how much they love her and respect her. It's just, it's just different than like, like what you're used to when you see a – 
a, a politician, an elected official, uh, interacting with their people. She represents that Great Neck area, uh, heavily uh, Persian, Jewish community, uh, and you, you have all sorts of Democrats who – uh, have who they voted for Mozzie Pillup in 2021, and then they were voting for us in 2022. I mean, she's opened up doors for the Republican Party, where people who were longtime Democrat voters have seen the light through Mozzie, and then have opened up, you know, their minds for a candidacy like, say, a Republican candidate running statewide in 2022. So there's a lot of strengths. I mean, you know, for sake of time, those are. You know, just a few points, initial points that come to mind. Uh, this special election is coming up quickly in the middle of February. Turnout is going to be low. Uh, I strongly support Mozzie. I understand you know, anyone out there, they're entitled to whatever views, whatever concerns, questions they have about anyone for any race at any time. But as far as I go, no-brainer. I'm totally supporting Mozzie. So if you were sitting there with Cairo and King and they brought her name up, you would be just as enthusiastic there as you were just now. You love her. I, I think she's great. All right. I, I think she'll be a great member of Congress if given the opportunity. Final 60 seconds, uh, not about you being VP, but uh, Trump is in court today. But Lee Zeldin, we're just a couple of days away from Iowa, so the game is on. The NFL playoffs are here, and you could make an argument the presidential playoffs are here. Once Iowa starts, we make our way towards that Super Bowl, which comes in November. And Trump is going into these playoffs like the Ravens. I mean, strong as can be, blowing out the field in the primaries, lengthening his lead every week over Joe Biden in the election. Uh, I mentioned Michelle Obama. We talked about her with Bill O'Reilly today, Judge Jeanine yesterday. That potential scares Trump supporters like me. But assuming she does not join this race, can you see anything at this point derailing Donald Trump from returning as 47 after 45? We have to all vote. I mean, we can't take anything for granted. There's a lot of people out there who vote in every election. They'll vote for every primary of local race and their fire department and library and whatever. But there's way too many people who don't vote at all or very, very rarely vote. A lot of folks who are eligible, but they're they're not even registered. Uh, So the biggest thing that uh, I believe can be a challenge for uh, any candidacy, um, including this one that we're, we're talking about right here with President Trump's campaign uh, running for another term, is that you need everyone to actually show up. And there's there are a lot of people who feel like their vote doesn't count or they feel like, you know, that they, maybe they live in a, a state where uh, their candidate definitely is going to win or their candidate's definitely going to lose. Like, no one can be complacent. This is a battle to save this country. In 2024, we, are, we have an opportunity to change the course of this country, and whether it's strengthening our border again and improving foreign policy, getting our, our economy strong, you know, our energy policy back on track, on, on so many different fronts where anyone out there who cares about America, you can't sit this one out. Uh, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for, for Donald Trump running for another term is making sure that everyone who's a supporter of his is actually registered to vote. They show up to vote and their vote is counted, period. And, and we have to make sure uh, that you know, Joe Biden 
and the Democrats are, are held accountable for their positions. I mean, they want nothing else but to make a campaign about anything other than the issues that are actually most important to the voters. That's why Kathy Hochul is not talking about the migrant crisis in her state of this state. So you know, on top of boosting your own candidate is getting out there and talking about the stakes, talking about the issues and talking about the opposition, because I don't think that Joe Biden is up for four more years. Agreed. As always, Lee Zeldin, spectacular appearance. Great to catch up with you, buddy. And uh, we'll talk again a lot, I believe, in the very near future. Lee Zeldin, Happy New Year. Thank you so much. All right. See you, Sid. Happy New Year. Let's go, Knicks. That's uh, the great Lee Zeldin.